0: Hey what's up? It's your bro Mario Escobedo. Thanks for tuning in to the Christian Bro Code podcast. This is episode number 20. And in this episode I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to do something of a I guess it's like a Bible study. I'm going to look at a passage of scripture, John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29, and I'm I'm just going to walk through the passage and point out some insights, some things that I think are interesting from the passage. And then I also want to point out two key things that I think are important for us to understand and things that can help us in our spiritual walk. So, uh stick around. We're looking at John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29. This is the conversation between Jesus and doubting Thomas. All right, this is the Christian Bro Code podcast. And in this podcast, what I what I want to do is give you biblical principles, share with you biblical principles that I feel would be helpful in helping you grow, helping you overcome the different things that can get in the way of your spiritual growth. I think every single one of us, you know, we want to grow. We want to be challenged to grow. You wouldn't be listening to this kind of podcast if you didn't. And so as, as we're striving to grow, as we're, as we're wanting to do more things to grow, things get in the way we're challenged to grow and we want to be challenged to grow, but things get in the way of our growth. And so I'm uh, my, my purpose in sharing biblical principles with you about growth is to help you overcome the different things that can get in the way of your growth. And by the way, I also do this as a YouTube or on a YouTube channel. So you can check out the show notes and there's a link to the YouTube channel, the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel, there's a, a version of this same teaching on the YouTube channel that you can see if you if you're more of a of a visual learner. But you're probably listening to this because you know you like like I do, right? I love podcasts because I can be doing other things. I don't I don't have to be. Sitting in front of a computer screen or looking at my phone, I love podcasts because I just pop in my headphones. And if I'm cutting the grass, if I'm working on the car, if I'm running an errand or whatever, I can I can listen, and I just love podcasts for that reason. I I love listening to podcasts. But let's get in. Let's get into this teaching. All right, John, chapter twenty, verses twenty four through twenty nine. Now here's let me let me set up, give you a little bit of context for this. Now this takes place after the resurrection of Jesus. And by this point in the story, Jesus had already had a conversation with uh, his disciples, with some of the other disciples not with Thomas, but with some of the other disciples. He had already shown himself to Mary Magdalene and to some of the other disciples. And that conversation between Jesus and the other disciples takes place in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, the passage right before this one that we're looking at right now. Now, in that passage, in that previous passage, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he told them, peace be with you. In fact, he told them that two times. And then he commissioned them when he said, as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. Then the passage goes on to say that he blew on the disciples and they received the holy spirit. Then after that is when we come to this passage here that we're looking at right now, John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29. And again, I'm I'm going to read through this passage. And I'm just I'm going to I'm just going to point out some things that I find interesting from this passage. Some some questions and and in some sense I'm going to I'm going to walk you through the process that I use when I do a Bible study whether I'm preparing for a teaching, a Bible teaching that I'm going to do, uh preparing a sermon or just when I'm doing personal Bible study for my own personal edification. And so as I, as I walk through a passage of scripture, I, I take time to ask questions, to make some observations, to jot down some questions, things that I don't understand, maybe things that I want to research a little bit later. But that's, that's the process that I take because I want to try to get as much out of a passage as I can. Again, either because I'm going to prepare a Bible teaching uh, for a Bible class, or I'm preparing a sermon, or again, just for my personal growth and edification. So that's what I'm going to do in, in this instance here. Uh, you may not have a Bible with you, but I'm going to be reading the scripture so that you, you don't have to take out your Bible, especially if you're driving or if you're doing something else. I don't want you to be in any kind of danger. But here's, here's how it starts. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, starting in verse 24, this is what it says. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. First and foremost, you should know that the word didymus means twin, and so it seems that Thomas had a nickname among the disciples, the, the twin. Apparently he was a twin, right? And so he was called the twin. He's one of the 12 disciples and he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, that refers to that first encounter, that previous passage, John 20, 19 through 23, when Jesus appeared to the disciples. For whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. Now, when I was, when I was walking through this passage and I was studying it, I just kind of had to ask myself well, where, where was Thomas? You know, that conversation between Jesus and the disciples took place on the day of Jesus' resurrection right? Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene the morning of his resurrection, but then later that evening is when he appeared to the disciples in John 20, 19 through 23, and he had that conversation with them. It uh, Apparently all the disciples were there except Thomas. Now, where was Thomas? We have no clue whatsoever, but this is one of those things that as I'm walking through a passage, I just kind of make an observation of it. I Maybe I I ask a question or I write on, on on the margin of the sheet that I'm using To do my Bible study, where was Thomas? Why wasn't he with the disciples? Right. The other thing I ask is this: Why would Jesus make this appearance to the disciples in the previous passage, in 19 through 23? I have to assume that Jesus knew that Thomas wasn't there. Why would Jesus appear to the disciples when he knew that not all of the disciples were present? I I, again, I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't have an answer to that question. I just find it interesting. Was this a strategy on Jesus's part? Did he know that Thomas needed something additional? Did he want? I, I mean, I have no clue. But these are the questions that that walk through my mind as as I do this, as I as I do a Bible study. Did Jesus have some kind of a strategy? What what was he doing? What was taking place here? So. In the first encounter that Jesus has with the disciples, Thomas wasn't there, so then now in in verse 24, the disciples are again together, and in verse 25, they tell Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Now, Uh, apparently Thomas met up with them at some other time after Jesus had left. And so when Thomas comes, of course, they're all excited. They're happy because Jesus, they thought he was dead, and now they see him resurrected. And so when Thomas comes and he joins them, then they're sure to tell him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And here's Thomas's reply in the second half of verse 27. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, the disciples had already had the benefit. The other disciples had already had the benefit of seeing Jesus, right? But Thomas hadn't. And it's interesting to me, I, I just, again, this is one of these things that I find, I find interesting, that, that Thomas wasn't going to believe. It wasn't going to be enough for Thomas just to see the Lord, you know, he he needed to see the wounds and, and he even needed to touch the wounds in Jesus's hands and on Jesus's side. And I just find it interesting. And I kind of ask myself, Thomas, why why would Thomas need three conditions or why did he lay out three conditions? Why did he say, no, I have to see the nail marks, put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side. He needed three points of evidence or three proofs in order to convince him that Jesus was indeed alive. Essentially this is what he's saying. This is what has to happen in order for me to believe. And if this doesn't happen, I'm I'm not going to believe. You know, these three conditions need to be met in order for me to believe that Jesus is really alive, in order for me to believe what you guys are telling me. So then we jump on to verse 26, right? And and it says a week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And so I, I, I think about what's happened in that week. As far as we can tell, Jesus hasn't appeared to them again, right? He appeared to them the day of his resurrection, and apparently this is a week later. Maybe he had appeared to them prior to this occurrence here in verse 26. If he did, John doesn't include that. But here we find out that a week later, the disciples are again together in the house, and Thomas was with them. And I have to, I'm just wondering what, what was taking place during that week? Was Thomas having like one of these, I told you so moments, or, you know, I knew it. Listen, guys, you told me that you saw Jesus. Where is he? It's been a week. I haven't seen Jesus. You guys told me that you saw him, but I don't see him. He hasn't appeared. Were the disciples still trying to convince him? Thomas, like for real, man, we, 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 we saw him like, like, we're not, we're not messing with you. We, we did, we did see him. It must've been an interesting week for Thomas and for the disciples because the disciples were, of course, they had seen Jesus and they're probably trying to convince Thomas that they had seen him. And Thomas is like, guys, I already told you I'm going to need to see the wounds, put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side. If those three conditions aren't met, you can speak until you're blue in the face. I'm not falling for it. I'm not going to believe it then verse twenty six goes on to say, though the doors were locked, let me pause right there for just a second because this is the second time that this that this happens. We find out in the previous passage, verses nineteen through twenty three that the disciples were hiding in a in a room in a house somewhere with the doors locked because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And of course, what they were afraid of is that what they did to Jesus they were going to do to them as well. So it makes sense that they were that they were hiding that first time. I find it interesting that on this second time, here in verse twenty-six, that that they're still hiding, and they're still in the same house, and they're still behind the same locked doors, even after they had seen the resurrected Jesus. I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not judging the disciples. I'm not saying that they did the wrong thing here, but it would seem to me that having seen Jesus resurrected, and the fact that Jesus told them, "As the Father sent me, I'm sending you," he blew on them, they received the Holy Spirit. To me, it seems that that might have been enough for them. I don't to, to start telling people about Jesus to at least not be as afraid as they were before. Again, I'm not I'm not judging them. I just find it interesting that even after a week, even after they had seen Jesus, they still find themselves in this same situation of fear and of doubt and hiding behind closed doors. So this is what it says again, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, this is almost like a copy and paste from the previous passage, because in the previous passage, we find the same situation. They were behind locked doors. Jesus appeared, kind of materialized out of nowhere, and he told them the same thing that he tells them here in verse 26, peace be with you. Okay. And then verse 27, with, with no transition, with no apparent like interlude there, Jesus then immediately directs his attention to Thomas. And and as I read that, I kind of see it happening this way. Jesus kind of comes in, says, hey, what's up everybody? And then bam, just focuses on Thomas. And the first thing that he says to Thomas is exactly what Thomas said that he needed to see in order to believe that Jesus had been resurrected. Because here's, here's what he said to Thomas. Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now, Jesus tells Thomas to do exactly what he had asked for. Remember, Thomas said, I need to see the wounds. I need to put my finger where the where the nails were, and I need to put my hand in his side. And those are exactly the three things that Jesus invites Thomas to do. Now, this is just a little side note. I don't know if it means anything, but Jesus just changes the order just a little bit Because Thomas said, I need to see the wounds and then put my hand in his fingers and in his, in his hands where the nails were. Jesus kind of switches those around and he says, here, go ahead and put your hand, your finger where my nails, where the nails were and and see my wounds. I I don't know that that means anything necessarily, interpretively speaking, but Jesus just kind of changes the order there a little bit. And he tells Thomas, look, this is what you were asking for. Here Here I am. Go ahead. This is what you wanted. This is what you needed to see. This is what you needed to do. Here I am. Go ahead, do what it is that you need to do. Now, the next thing that Jesus says, I'm going to pause there for a little bit, because we're going to have to make an interpretive decision. And of course, anytime that you're reading scripture, anytime that you're doing a Bible study, you're going to have to make a series of interpretive decisions. But this particular interpretive decision is is going to it's going to have an effect on how you understand this entire passage. And let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. Let me read, first of all, what Jesus said next to Thomas after he said, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Then he tells him this, stop doubting and believe. Okay, this is, this is where you're going to have to make an interpretive decision. In my mind, you have two options. And it has to do with the, what would I call it? The, the attitude, maybe? The demeanor behind Jesus's words here, when he tells Thomas, stop doubting and believe, I see two interpretive options here. Was Jesus being kind of pastoral and compassionate toward Thomas and telling him, Thomas, hey man, here I am. This is what you asked for. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do what you have to do so that you can stop doubting and believe. Look, Thomas, I'm right here, and you said that you needed to put your fingers in where the nails were. You said you needed to see my wounds. You said you needed to put your hand in my side. Thomas, here I am. Go ahead. I just want you to stop doubting and believe. See that that attitude, that demeanor, is a very compassionate demeanor, a very compassionate attitude, a very pastoral attitude, if you will, on on the, on the side of Jesus. The other option is that Jesus is a bit frustrated or upset with Thomas. And so he doesn't so much take a pastoral or compassionate approach. Instead, he's a bit more I don't want to say upset, but a bit more demanding and maybe a bit more scolding so that when he comes to the part where he says stop doubting and believe, maybe he's saying it something like this, "Thomas, do you know do you do you hear how ridiculous you sound?" I mean Thomas for real. You did you really say that you would need to put your finger where the nails were and your hand in my side. Number one, Thomas, do you know how disgusting that sounds? But secondly, why would you have to do that just to believe that I'm alive? Look, the other disciples, they saw me and they believed. Why do you have to put your fingers where the nails were? Why do you have to put your hand in my side? And what, by the way, makes you so special that you have to do that? Thomas, just stop doubting and believe. All right, so do do you see the two options that we have here, and and depending on how you decide on on that d- interpretive option, that interpretive decision, that's going to affect how you see the rest of this passage and how you can apply this passage to your life and to your spiritual growth. Now, for me, and and by the way, the Bible didn't come with an answer key, so you have these two interpretive options, and and I I can't tell you which one is right or wrong. It's very possible that they're both valid right? We don't have a, an, an answer key to the Bible to say, oh, it's option number one, or it's option number two. We, we don't have that. So a lot of it depends on, on how you're going to decide to interpret this particular portion of, of this passage. Now, for me, for me, I opt for the more pastoral, more compassionate attitude as the interpretive decision that I make here and and you may disagree with that that that's fine you don't have to agree with me but i'm saying that i'm opting for the more compassionate the more pastoral option here where jesus is telling thomas thomas here i am bro and 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 you said you needed to see this in order to believe here i am thomas do what you have to do i just want you to stop doubting and believe okay that's 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 the option that i that i go for and jesus ends this discussion by saying Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And of course, he's talking about all of us, those of us who didn't get to see Jesus firsthand, like Thomas did. He's talking to all of us and saying, you know, they're not going to get to see, but they're blessed because, because they didn't get to see. Now, let me go back to to this interpretive option that I that I chose this more pastoral this more uh, you know concerned and pastoral and compassionate option for Jesus and and here are the two insights that I mentioned earlier here are the two things that I that I think we can easily take away from this passage number 1 based on the interpretive option that I that I chose and I think I think this is valid you notice that Jesus didn't condemn Thomas because he doubted jesus didn't go on this tirade and on this rant against thomas and and condemn him for his doubt condemn him because he doubted now we those of us who go back and read this passage we've labeled him doubting thomas right and and, and rightfully so he he doubted <laughs> there, there's no question there he he doubted but i don't see in this passage a hint of Jesus scolding or much less condemning Thomas because he doubted. And so I, I want to I make this a, a practical application for you and for me today as, as followers of Jesus, as men, as bros who, who want to be challenged to grow, who want to take a step of growth, but are sometimes, it's just hard. I know that in my life, and I'm sure that, that I can't be the only one, that there have been times when you have doubted. That there have been times when, when your faith hasn't been as strong or as firm as you would like for it to be. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and it really bugs you that there are still times when you doubt. And and I, w- I would take comfort in seeing this interaction between Jesus and Thomas. And I would tell you, listen, Jesus didn't condemn Thomas when Thomas doubted. And I just don't think that Jesus is going to condemn you when you doubt. And you might you might reply and say, But but listen, I've already given my life over to the Lord. I, I'm I said that I believe in Jesus as my Lord. I confessed with my mouth, I believed in my heart that He's Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Why do I still doubt? I shouldn't be doubting. And and I agree, we probably shouldn't be doubting. But listen, we're still human. We're still, and I don't want to use it as a scapegoat. Or, or as a cop out, or as as an excuse to say, it's okay to have a weak faith. It's okay to have a doubting faith. No, not not at all. I'm just saying, recognize the human element. Don't don't completely beat yourself up when you encounter moments of doubt in your spiritual walk. Now, I think I'm 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 justified in saying this because notice that we're basing this story on Thomas, who doubted, but at the same time was a disciple of Jesus. He was a man. Who saw the miracles of Jesus firsthand? I mean, Thomas was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He saw that miracle firsthand. Thomas was there when Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread and fed 5,000 people. Thomas saw that. Thomas was there when Jesus cast demons out of different people who were possessed by demons. Thomas was there when Jesus healed who knows how many people. From sicknesses and diseases. Thomas was there in the boat when the disciples and Jesus were out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. This this storm kicks up and Jesus gets up and he says, peace, just stop and everything stopped. I mean, Thomas was there. He saw all of those things. He saw all of those miracles of Jesus and still he doubted. And in spite of having seen all those things and still doubting, Jesus didn't condemn him for his doubt. And so I, I just put that in front of you and I say, you and I haven't didn't have the benefit of G, of seeing Jesus firsthand. I'm not making an excuse for our moments of doubt. I'm just saying, hey, we're human. I would love it if my faith were a rock solid, ironclad faith that never doubted. But I'm going to tell you that there are times that I have doubted, and I, I hate admitting that. But there have time there have been times, even in my in my my. Post-salvation experience as a mature, experienced, lifelong believer, there have been moments that I've doubted. And I and I I can beat myself up about it, or I can take comfort in this exchange, this interaction that happened between Thomas and Jesus, where Jesus did not condemn Thomas for his doubt. And And I think it's the same for you and for me that there are going to be times that others are going to tell us about stuff that Jesus can do for us, just like the disciples told Thomas about Jesus. And it's just going to be really hard to believe and we're going we're just going to doubt i i think although i i hope that that's not the norm for me i hope it's not the 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 rule i hope it's the exception that i doubt i i want to build up my faith enough to the point that where when i read something about what jesus does or did in scripture that i can say i believe that he can do that with me now today right now in my life but even in those moments of doubt i'm going to take comfort and solace in the fact that jesus did not condemn thomas for his doubt the other insight that i that i want to to share with you is this notice that when jesus appeared to thomas remember the three conditions that thomas set out he said i need to uh, see the wounds put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side those were the three conditions and those were the exact three things that Jesus invited Thomas to do when he appeared to thomas and here's Here's the insight that I take away from this. There are times when Jesus will be willing to show you what you need to see in order to overcome your doubt. Th- there are times that I'm sure that I, I know that I've done this and maybe you've done this as well when when you tell Jesus, "Look, I'm really struggling to believe, and i just I just really need to see this in order to believe." I'm not going to say that this happens all the time, but I believe that there are times when Jesus will show you what you need to see in order for you to overcome your doubt and to believe. Now, I, I, here's, here's something I, I believe I've come to, to understand and to learn in my Christian walk, that there are times when Jesus will call you or ask you to take a step of faith before he does something miraculous or before he shows you what he wants to do in your life. And I think the more mature and the more experienced we become in our walk with Jesus, I think that that, that happens more, right? That Jesus wants to call us to take a step of faith before he does the miraculous or before he reveals to us what it is that he wants to show us or what he wants to teach us. But I also believe, and I think this is a, a takeaway from this passage here, from this encounter between Jesus and Thomas, I think there are times when Jesus will do the miraculous, will show you what you need to see before the miraculous happens. Oh, I'm sorry, before he asks you to take that step of faith. That, let me reword let me that because I confused that. I messed that up. But there will be times when Jesus will do the miraculous before he asks you to take the step of faith or to get you to take that step of faith. And I've I've noticed that happen in my life whenever I've sensed that the Lord wants to take me to maybe a higher level, a new experience with him maybe something that I haven't experienced yet, and he's calling me to something bigger, something greater, something that demands more faith on my part. I've noticed that if I haven't been there before, if I haven't had that experience before, there have been times that the Lord will show me what it is that I need to see to overcome my doubt before I take that step of faith. And I think that's what's happening here with Thomas, that Jesus knew his doubt. Maybe he doubted more than the other disciples. He knew his doubt. And so what did Jesus do? He showed Thomas what he needed to see in order to overcome his doubt and then take that step of faith. Because notice what happens after, after Jesus uh, invites Thomas to do exactly what he needed to do. He extends this invitation. Go ahead. Put your fingers here. Put your hand here. Then Thomas makes this declaration, my Lord and my God. Isn't that incredible? This is the first post-resurrection declaration of Jesus's lordship and Jesus's divinity or his deity. And it's after Jesus told Thomas, I'm willing to show you what you need to see in order to overcome your doubt. And notice that Thomas apparently didn't take him up on this offer. We don't see Thomas putting his finger in the nail wounds. We don't see Thomas sticking his hand up Jesus's side where his ribs were we just see that it was enough for him to see. And then he has this awesome, this incredible declaration, the first post-resurrection declaration of Jesus's lordship and divinity. And and, and I think that happens in our lives as well, that there will be times when Jesus, when the Lord is going to call you to something and it's going to be hard for you to take that step of faith, to make that declaration. Yeah, I trust you because you're my Lord and my God. And so Jesus, knowing who we are and that we're human, I believe that there will be times that he'll show you what you need to see first that will help you overcome your doubt so that you can then take that step of faith. So those are the two key insights that I want you to take away from this passage, John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Number one, Jesus doesn't condemn you for your doubt. Number two, there will be times when Jesus will show you what you need to see in order to get you to overcome your doubt. And it's incredible what happens here, that after this, the disciples go on, Thomas included, to give their lives to, for, for the sake of advancing the gospel, for the sake of advancing the mission and the message of Jesus. And that happened because of this, in part, because of this encounter that Jesus had with Thomas. He turned him from a doubter into someone who's devoted to the message and to the mission of Jesus. Jesus. And it's 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 a fascinating point because at this time right here, Thomas, even though we know him as Doubting Thomas, Jesus didn't identify him by his doubt anymore. He was just a disciple. He was just another one of the disciples taking the message and the mission of Jesus to the rest of the world. So be encouraged by that. If there have been times that you've doubted, and again, we've all doubted at one point or another in our Christian walk. Jesus doesn't condemn you for your doubt. He didn't do it to Thomas, and I doubt he's going to do it with you either. And there will be times when Jesus will be willing to show you what you need to see in order to overcome your doubt. Now don't don't use that as a crutch. Let's let's not use that as a crutch to say, "Well, if he did it with Thomas, I'm going to ask him to do it with me every time." No, 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 no. There will be times that he'll ask you to take that step of faith first before you see the miraculous. But as we grow, as we reach new levels, new heights in our in our maturity and our walk with the Lord, there will be times that he'll do the miraculous first. He'll show you what you need to see first to get you to overcome your doubt and then take that step of faith that he's calling you to take. All right, so that's that's it for for this for this episode. it's it was a walk through this passage, John chapter twenty verses twenty four through twenty nine uh, just a great example of the compassion that Jesus has for his disciples, expressed primarily here in his interaction with Thomas. Take this word, meditate on it. I'd encourage you to go back and read this passage on your own, see what other insights you can take away from this, see what questions you might have, what observations you can draw from this passage, and just let it speak to you. And if you have to, identify yourself with Thomas and know that Jesus doesn't condemn you for your doubt. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope it's helped you add value to your spiritual growth, help you take a step from where you are to where God wants you to be, help you learn this biblical principle of growth so that when you encounter something that threatens to keep you from growing, that this word would help you overcome those obstacles that keep you from growing. Hey, let me ask you to subscribe. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Thank you so much for checking us out. Subscribe that way, you're always up to date on what's coming out. Also, check out the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. Be sure to share this with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever it is that you live on the social media platforms. That's it for now. But, Ro, God bless you.